right, I'm on. How are you guys doing today? Oh, that was, that was painful. All right, hey, I want to be honest with you. I, over, I, how many of you have got like the, the, the fall cold or flu or whatever? Put up your hand. Wow, you guys are amazing who didn't, but there's a bunch of hands. Yeah, I've been kind of struggling with just this kind of head cold, so I need some more energy. How many of you excited? It's Thanksgiving today. Oh, you guys are with me. I, I need to feed off this energy, all right? So I want you guys getting a little bit excited. Um, Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is always a great time uh, in our household. This year is, is, is a little bit of a sad one, but we're, we're doing okay. My, this is the first year uh, we don't have our son at, at, in our house for Thanksgiving. He is currently um, living, living the dream, traveling around Europe, and he's in Prague. And uh, so love and life, but uh, definitely uh, uh, we, we, miss, we miss the, the little guy running around the, the uh, we miss the little guy, if you know him, he's very tall, but we miss the little guy running around the house, but we, we've, uh, we've inherited uh, an international student for the year, Rayona, if you haven't seen her, she's from Japan, and she adds a lot to our house, so we're happy, happy that she's here. Well, I, I'm excited to share this morning. Um, How about we start with prayer? Lord Jesus, we thank you for who you are, that you love us, you care for us. We thank you for this church. We thank you for the people in this church. Lord, draw us us closer to you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so over the last while, we've we've been going through this series in in youth. Um, So currently, I'm still the youth pastor till the end of December. I'm working alongside uh, Pastor Clay and... um, yeah, and we've been going through this encounter series and, and talking about examples of, of people who encountered Jesus and life changed for the better. Now let's put our thinking caps on, okay? I forgot my cap, so I'm gonna borrow Pastor Clay's cap. You guys all have a cap? If you have a cap, great. Glad you wore a cap in church. So I'm gonna put, actually, you've got a big head like me, Clay. I'm very happy. So let's put our thinking caps on this morning and think about the time that you encountered Jesus. Think about the time, Clay, you want it back? It is a little bit sweaty, yeah. Messed up my hair now. Man, I'm on, I'm, I'm on live here and I need to you know, look a little bit nicer, so hopefully my hair's uh, still in place here. But if we could all put our thinking hat on, and let's try to think of the day where you encountered Jesus, the day that you experienced him. What happened on that day? What happened since? How did did it impact your life? I want you to think about these. For me, it's, it's these moments where you realize who Jesus is and how much Jesus loves me. Those are the moments, those are the times that I have felt an encounter with Jesus. We all have journeys and stories, don't we? We all have journeys and stories. We all have different lives that we've led. And the best thing about these journeys and stories is that it's not over. Do I hear amen? Amen. The best thing about these stories is that, that it's not over. So, if you're here today and the journey isn't going good, the journey uh, could, could use some help, 
could use some revitalization, could, could use more Jesus in your life. You've got hope today. For those who have encountered Jesus, life, life is going good. But guess what? Your journey isn't completed. Your work, there's so much more work to be done. Do I hear amen? Now, I love youth and, and kids and family ministry, and is, my biggest joy is seeing when students get it. It's also my joy when adults get it too, don't get me wrong. But seeing students encounter Jesus, experiencing him and what he has for them, and applying what we teach them is a real joy for me. And this last weekend at retreat, I don't know if you knew, but we took uh, 23 students to Nanus Bay for a fall retreat. And there was 230 plus students there uh, for this encounter weekend with Jesus. Youth groups all around the island. And here where we had students come up to us and ask for prayer, ask for boldness in their heart, at that they wouldn't live double lives, that they would be the same at church as they are at, at school or the same at home as they are in school. As parents, isn't that our hope and prayer for our kids? That they would encounter Jesus, that their faith would be their own, not just what you're, what, what you're about, but that they would feel that themselves. In our kids' ministry, we want kids to encounter Jesus at our camps. We've, we've got a, a week-long camp in the summer. And by the way, we've got a camp, a weekend camp, the first one we're doing in, in the fall at the end of this month, and it's called Heyday. So we are looking for more volunteers. Actually, a lot of people have talked to me if you're interested. Uh, we've got a meeting uh, next Next week, next Sunday at 11 uh, during the second service. You guys are all at the first service, so you guys can head downstairs and join us, all right? Be awesome. We want kids to encounter Jesus in Kids Zone and our Midweek Kids Club. And by the way, we, a few important notes. Kids Club just started this last week. And uh, it, it's a great time together, and there's, there's room for so many more kids so if, if you're interested in bringing your kids, your neighbor's kids, please invite them. The sky is the limit. Our church has the vision. Are you thankful for Pastor Mike's message last week? As we were at, in, in, we were at the retreat, we had a parent come up to me and say, Pastor Mike's message was just so encouraging and so right, I could have stayed there for hours. So I'm gonna preach a three-hour sermon tonight, today, okay? <laughs> I'm just kidding. So thanks, Pastor Mike and Pastor Laura, for listening to, to God as you lead the church with Jesus' help, of course. The sky is the limit. In saying this, our heart is to see church people encounter a relationship with him. A few weeks ago, I had this, uh, this boy, and, and see, when, 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 when kids aren't the most well-behaved, I kind of refer to them as stinkers, okay? So, so bear with me, they're not actual stinkers, but for that day, they could be little stinkers, okay? Now, now newsflash, I know this would surprise you, but I was the biggest stinker of them all when I was growing up. 
and I would normally get uh, in trouble and disciplined every Sunday because, of course, my dad was the pastor, right? So um, my dad would hear everything that I did or that I said, and I'm getting everything paid back in full for sure. But we've got great kids here. So this boy wasn't making the, the, the best decisions. He was being uh, a, a little problematic. And I went up to this boy and I, and I, and I, I said, hey, uh, if this doesn't change, we, we have to involve your, I have to talk to your parents about this. And normally, automatically, things change pretty quick. Countenance changes, apology uh, happens right away, and that's what happened with this boy. And I'm not going to say whose boy it was, all right? So don't worry, Mike, okay? <laughs> I'm just kidding, it wasn't him. But I remember leaning over, or, or looking over, and I noticed this boy, he, was, he had his eyes closed, and his, his lips were moving. I'm like, oh, it looks like he's praying. Wow, this is really exciting. Man, he, he must encounter Jesus. We probably taught him how to pray. Or, or parents taught him how to pray. I, I want to get closer to the, this, this boy and hear what he's saying. And this is, this is how his prayer went. Dear Jesus, and this is a true story, thank you for this day. I pray that Pastor Trevor doesn't talk to my dad about <laughs> me being bad today and that he would forget everything. So it will be a good day. Man, I love gems like that. Give, give that boy a hand, all right? Give that boy a hand. What faith. Kids have such faith, don't they? You know, growing up, it took me many years to grow my own faith. As a, as a PK, you know, I have great parents. My, my, my parents are full of faith. They, they led well. Uh, we, my dad pastored in, in multiple churches as I was growing up around BC. So I've lived, I've lived in a lot of different places, different regions. Um, I was actually born in Victoria, which is interesting. Now I'm, now I'm back on the island after just a few years, right? And, but because I grew up in a church and my dad was a pastor, it didn't mean that I, I had the same faith. I had to grow into that. I had to discover faith for myself and, and encounter Jesus for my own. And I, I received, I had, I invited Jesus in my life when I was five. I was called into ministry at Okanagan Pentecostal Camp at the age of 14 but really, my, my biggest encounter for my life that, that changed my, my, uh, my life, really, was when I was 17. It was the summer, before, uh, the summer before my last year of high school. And it was at Circle Square Ranch. And it was from then on, I believe my family could see a difference in me. My friends could see a difference in me at, at school. My thought life was better. The way I treated others was better. I had this joy and this peace that I didn't have uh, before. And, and throughout the Bible, uh, the Bible's full of, of these great encounters that people experiencing Jesus. And even over this last weekend, we learned about, about Zacchaeus and the woman at the well. And there's so many more. And today I'm going to be talking about another one. For these, 
individuals, their lives were changed. And my circle square experience, my camp experience, my life, my life was changed. So when you guys put on your thinking cap, do you remember your encounter with Jesus that changed your life? How many of you could just put up your hand? How many of you could remember these encounters that, that, that just changed the, the, the demographic of, of, of how your, your life was going to look? I became that whole new person. And this is, this is kind of what my life would have looked if I didn't have Jesus. Yeah, had a bad day, right? Life is so much better with Jesus. I want to I share with you uh, a passage of scripture. If you could turn your Bible to Mark chapter 5. Now, I, I want to give you a little bit of a disclaimer <laughs> this morning that you have never heard this passage of scripture on a Thanksgiving Sunday. I guarantee it. If, if you have, I will take you out and give you Pastor Mike's van, all right? You probably haven't heard this, this message on a Thanksgiving day, but it's an encounter that a man had with Jesus. And let's, let's read together, all right? Mark chapter 5, and we're going to be uh, dissecting the scripture, going through a few verses, and then talking about those, all right? Students, you guys are with me. This is awesome. All right. Got some teens up here. Teens would know the story fairly well. I've talked about it a few times. And... I'm sure Hollywood has loosely based characters around this main character. This story has impure spirits. It has demons. It has pigs. It has farmers. It has the death of pigs. It has lakes. It has crying. It has self-affliction. It has life change. It has freedom. It has transformation. It has a deep appreciation. And for all those all those uh, fisher, fishermen out there, there's even boating in this story. Isn't that awesome? All for you guys, all for you, Brooke, okay? So let's read the scripture. Chapter five, verse one. They went across the lake to the region of Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. Where'd the man come from? The tombs. This man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry and cut himself with stones. Just imagine this, right? Jesus gets out of the boat and a man comes to him running to meet with him. Now, if I was Jesus and I'm glad I'm not, I would say start the motor of the boat and let's go the opposite way. Who would be with me? You know, you see this tall, naked guy who's very angry and uh, I would be scared for my life. Don't have that image in your head, okay? Okay. This man lived in the tombs. He was the most uncleanliness of individuals. He had thousands of impure spirits. He was very strong. He was like Samson-like. Or if you're a Marvel fan, Hulk. 
Hulk-like, right? Everybody's favorite. He could tear chains apart, but he was in agony and he would cry out and self-inflict. He probably had scars all over his arms and his body. He lived in this constant torment. You know, if you think about it, those who have, have struggled with emotional health could really probably sympathize with this man of this torment going on, on in his mind and, his, and, and couldn't think straight. This man who rushes out to Jesus was as unclean as you can get. But guess what? It doesn't matter how unclean you are. Jesus will always meet with you. Verse 6, let's read on. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. Now, doesn't this, this story sound like a prototypical encounter, maybe a camp encounter, when you just want, when, maybe, and maybe you're new, sorry for saying this, but if you had a camp experience and, and, and you want to encounter Jesus, you've, you've come up to the altar and, and you've knelt down and you've, you've spent time with Jesus. But this isn't the prototypical encounter with Jesus. It, it actually gets more odd. Verse 7, it says, this man shouted at the top of his voice, what do you want with me? Jesus, son of the most high, in God's name, don't torture me. This man had struggled a very long time with this constant terror inside him, living with these, these impure spirits and, and, and demons, distorts and destroys Views on everything, especially a potential relationship with Jesus. That's why it's so important for us to avoid curiosity or involvement in, in evil forces, cults, or, or things that are spiritual that doesn't involve Jesus. You know, one of the biggest things I noticed when I moved to the island was the major acceptance of spiritual things. Am I right? There's a major acceptance of spiritual things that, don't, that doesn't involve Jesus. And we need to be careful what enters our heart and our mind. James 4.7 has this great verse. If we resist the devil and his influences, he will flee from us. If we resist from the, de the devil and his influences, he will flee from us. This story here gets odd here because the, this man wasn't, wasn't talking here. This was actually the impure spirits talking to Jesus. They were screaming at Jesus. It was a shriek of fear, defense, and rebellion against Jesus who was God on earth. And what does Jesus do? Does he flee? Does he, does he, does he get, get on the boat and go away? No, he has a conversation. And why would he have a conversation? Because he has compassion for this man. He cares for this man. He sees potential in this man. Verse eight, for Jesus had said to him, come out of this man, you impure spirit. Then Jesus asked him, what is your name? He says, my name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. 
Now, for some context, a legion was the largest group of the Roman army that normally had about 3,000 to 6,000 men in the army or in this group. So this saying that, this man had 3,000 to 6,000 impure spirits inside of him controlling his life. Can you just imagine? And, and this morning, I really want you to, to, to hear me out here. The impure spirits had taken over this man's humanity. They had given this man superhuman strength. He was a human wreck. He was naked. He was isolated. He was self-destructive. The impure spirit's goal was to control this man. Was to control this man. But what was Jesus' goal? And this is key this morning. Jesus' goal was to give him freedom. This morning, I believe that Jesus wants to give some of you freedom from whatever you're facing this morning. Church, this is why Jesus is so magnificent and why we need him in our life. Because he gives us freedom. He wants us to live a life of peace and joy and life to the fullest. These impure spirits knew that they had no power over Jesus. They even begged him to send them to a different place, a distant place. Verse 10, it says, And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. Could you just imagine this dialogue going on here? A large herd of pigs were feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs. Allow us to go into them. He gave them permission and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Just imagine this. What do you think the reaction of the community was? Ah, finally, this man is going to stop crying and wailing every night. And nobody wants to see this guy running around, right? Did, wow, Jesus did, did such an amazing work in this man's life. I want that too. You would think that those are thoughts that the community was having. But, but here, those tending the pigs, verse 14... Uh, Pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. And when they came to see Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed, and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then, this is what happened. The people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. Isn't this mind-boggling? Life changed, life transformation right before your eyes. Here's a man that was in constant agony. Where's the compassion of the people? And here, they wanted Jesus to leave. Didn't Jesus just miraculously transform this man's life? We don't have to be afraid of this man who no one could control but Jesus. But no, the people became fearful of Jesus' power. 
Also, they might have been afraid uh, that, that he would destroy more of their livelihood, which is their, their uh, more herds of pigs. But this is another key point, that they would rather lose Jesus than give up their income and security. I hate saying it, but we as people are like that as well. That we don't want to give things up in our life the things that take us away from our relationship with God. Why do we do that? Why, why don't we get rid of those things that can hurt our relationship with God? Why are things so important to us? Why, when, when Jesus should be most important? A lot of times in life, don't we choose popularity and acceptance? We choose popularity and acceptance and not wanting to stir the pot at our school or at our workplace or in our neighborhood. How about we rather let people know what we stand for? We don't have to be all preachy. We just have to get to know people, love them, care for them. What are some reasons why, why, we, why, we, why we don't? Because you may lose friends. They may look at you strangely. It changes everything. I've been there, honestly. I still have to pray for boldness in my life. I'm a pastor. <laughs> I, I haven't, you know, there's times when, when I wish I could be more vocal about my faith. There's times I wish I could just go up to a neighbor and just start talking to them about Jesus rather than taking uh, more time than I really need. And I'm sure there's others out here as well. I get it. High school and our neighbor, neighborhoods and our workplaces can be really tough to, 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 to show who we are, to show our faith, because we want to fit in. Verse 18, as Jesus is getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed, what does he do? He begged to go with him. He begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, go home to your people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you. I love that part. And how he has had mercy on you. Isn't this true? When transformation happens, we, want, we like to stay in those moments, right? We like to stay in those moments. And before my grade 12 year, I wanted to stay in that moment of being at camp because I knew that I had my, my, my friends that I could talk to about everything, others of like mind. I didn't have my school friends there. I didn't have my neighbors. I didn't have my coworkers there. Life was a lot easier to be what I wanted to be. But this man was sent back to his friends and family to stand on his own feet. To depend on Jesus in a totally different way. He was, he was to find a new life back in his community. Church, God has called us to our mission field. Our homes, our neighbors, our co-workers, our classmates. That is our mission field. It's all about others. For us, we have each other. 
Isn't that awesome? That's a part of a great part about being a church family, that we have each other, that we, we are not alone on an island. Who's thankful for that this morning? If I think about Thanksgiving, I'm thankful for a church family that loves and cares for each other. Verse 20 says, So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were, what? Amazed. I love that. I underlined it. I, I, I put in bold. All the people were amazed. Why do you think all these people were amazed? Because they saw, they saw this man who they probably wanted to stay away from. Not probably. They did. And here his life was changed. See, when we allow Jesus to impact our life, good things happen. He wants us to share and help impact others with the news of Jesus. To be about others, right? Three cups of tea, six other friends, right? Here at CPC, we value relational witness. The harvest is plentiful. If, if we've encountered his love, if we've encountered his love, shouldn't we share about that love? We've got the greatest gift that, that we could ever be given. This man was so thankful for his life change. Are you thankful for your life change? Maybe your friends, your coworkers, your neighbors could really use some great news right now. Let's be about others. What do we learn from Jesus here that he has love and compassion for all? He showed love for a man that was very unpredictable. He could have, he could have did everything. He, 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 he could have, he could have, he was so unpredictable. He was a man that was difficult to love. Don't we all know people that can be difficult to love at times? I don't want you pointing at your spouse, okay? I would never do that to my wife, but. We all know people that can be difficult to love, don't we? Here's a man that had struggled, but Jesus had love and compassion for him. Second, Jesus has authority over all things. He had power over the impure spirits because he was who? Yahweh. Jesus can bring freedom to all situations. He brought transformation to this man, a complete transformation. And because of this experience, how many people came to Jesus because of this man who went back home to tell them about what Jesus had done for him? Church, he can meet your need today. He can meet your need today. He knows your heart. Is there healing needed in your heart? Is there healing needed in your body? Is there distress? Is there, is there things that you're worried or concerned about? If you allow Jesus into your life, he will do an amazing work in and through you. I guarantee it. He will walk through with you through life. You know, it being Thanksgiving, sometimes it can be pretty, it can be pretty hard to be thankful at times, can it? 
Sometimes it's hard to be thankful when, when tough. Yeah, I need to re-say that. It being Thanksgiving, sometimes it's hard to be thankful when tough things happen. Am I right? And over the last few months, things have been a little bit of a challenge in our household. Uh, even like my, my son went, we were all like really nervous, <laughs> really scared. Like, okay, like we've never really been away from our son. And here he is having a great time. He's doing well. Um, Kim's mom got sick. Uh, Kim got sick with COVID for like 10, 11 days. Ended up getting um, heart inflammation. Is now on medication. I'm so thankful she's here. Um, and even over last, this last retreat, and I was pretty quiet about it. I think I only told Clay, but my grandmother died. And... Uh, I was very thankful for uh, we were able to go to go to the Okanagan in uh, in August, and um, we have we have a picture of uh, with my grandma. I don't have it up there, but um, we were able to like spend you know like ten minutes. And um, she was digressing over the last while. She was ninety six, led a great life. Very thankful for my grandma. Uh, thankful for her legacy. But sometimes life throws us these curveballs, right? And how do, we, how do we deal with these curveballs? And this is... I'm very thankful for the, the, the people who, uh, who ended up uh, cooking us meals over the last while. Um, even when Kim was sick, we're so thankful for that. But I want to share a story about my grandma. Her life taught me a lot. I remember um, staying there when I was a kid, probably in grade seven, and uh, and they kind of lived in this small house and, and this farmland in, in Armstrong, and uh, my grandparents woke me up. Now, I wasn't too happy, because, uh, hey, life started at, at like four or five in the morning, and life did not start for me that, that early. And I remember getting woken up because I heard their voices, and I was pretty annoyed, and I, I wanted to tell them uh, hey, I'm staying at your house, you know, like, you know, you need to, you need to be thinking about me uh, now. And uh, I remember uh, as I was opening the door, all I could hear was um, them together. They were sitting together and they were talking, they were talking um, about people that I knew really well. And they were either my brother or my cousins. And they're going through this list and they said, Wayne, which is my brother, he's the oldest of all grandkids. And then some words, and then said Derek, who's my oldest cousin, he, he, praying about, they were, they were praying for all their grandkids. And I remember, you know, this may not seem like a huge deal, but the, the importance and, and the, the thought and the care that my grandma had that she prayed for her grandkids. And those things really mattered. This impacted my life greatly. It taught me how to pray. And, and it's interesting, even when I was in college or, you know, like throughout when, when, when challenging times happened, I would remember that moment when I walked in on my, my grandparents praying for us. And I just knew, had this, had this sense that God was with me, that, that there were people that cared for me. And I think some of you here that you've got grandparents or parents that are praying for you. You know, I could be thankful for so many things. I'm thankful that his mercies are new every morning. 
There's one final part to the message that I want to share as I lead us into communion. Hopefully you all have your emblems. And if you're watching online, if you could grab, grab a, um, some juice and a cracker or a bun or whatever you have. You know, the cool part about preaching or whoever, or whoever does it spends a lot of time studying Scripture. I know Pastor Mike makes it look easy, but he spends hours on his messages. I, I spend hours on my messages trying to make it so I'm hearing God's voice. And what do you, what do you have for, for us sharing through God's word? And as I was doing that, I learned this great, this great tidbit that I had never even heard about this scripture. And I hope, I hope it impacts you as well. Throughout this passage, Mark is actually telling us to look at the bigger story here. It's not just this story, but there's a parallel in this story. N.T. Wright, a well-known theologian, talks about this passage paralleling to something that's very important. He states that at the climax of Mark's story, Jesus himself will end up naked, isolated, outside the town among the tombs, shout incomprehensible things as as he is torn apart on the cross by standard Roman torture. His flesh torn to small ribbons by the small stones in the Roman lash. Remember in the scripture when he would self-inflict the man. And that Mark is saying how the demons are dealt with. That is how healing takes place. Jesus is coming to share the plight of the people to let the enemy do the worst to him. To take full force of evil on himself and let the others go free. Freedom. As I think about Thanksgiving, I think about freedom. Freedom that here Jesus wants us to experience real freedom today. And I don't know what your, what your situation is, what difficulties you're having, but are we open to what God wants us. He wants us to have that freedom today. This quote exemplifies the pain and anguish that Jesus went through for us. That because of him, we can live a life to the fullest. 1 Corinthians 11.28 states that before taking the Lord's communion, to take a few moments to examine our hearts, before we eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Now we've talked a lot about, we've talked about quite a few things this morning. But I, I just want us to take just, just a few moments. Let's examine, examine our hearts and our minds this morning. And allow Jesus to minister to your heart.
How about we stand today? 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, let's break it. This is my body, which is for you. Do this in the remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Partake the cup. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. I just want to keep this just moment of, of, of worship happening. I know God's ministering to the hearts of people. And I'm going to ask our, our pastors just to come, to come just stand maybe at the altar if we've got some, some, uh, some church leaders as well. And we want to offer you to receive prayer this morning. If you would like freedom in a situation, if you would like to receive uh, the gift of salvation or healing, I encourage you to come forward, to come pray with one of our, our leaders. Maybe may that it, it's you just saying that you just want to come spend time with, with Jesus at, at the front. You're welcome to do that as well. As we begin to conclude today, I want to thank you for allowing God's Spirit to be at work in your soul in this moment. Many of you do know what it's like to um, experience turmoil on the inside. We prayed into that a little bit earlier. I want to encourage you, as Pastor Trevor has, don't leave today without praying with somebody. You might be able to pray with somebody you've come with, somebody sitting nearby you, or after we conclude today, you may want to come forward and Pastor Trevor and this team and maybe Vaughn can join if needed as well, are available to pray with you today. I want to lead our service towards its end now by praying over you. So would you join me right now? Father, we give you thanks. You are the source of all in our lives, especially on a weekend like this, Thanksgiving It's wonderful to be a thankful people, but what's so great for us is we know the source. We know the one to whom we give thanks. It's not the universe. It's not the stars. It's not angels. It's you. It's Jesus, the living, risen Christ, the one who's made a way for us. You've delivered hope and peace and truth and love to our world. And so right now, I'm praying for that to touch down in each of our lives as we go today. Father, We're going into your world on your mission, and we declare again our dependence. We need you. We need your spirit and your power to go with us as we go into work, into school, to home, to neighborhood, to our mission field. May we carry your words and your works into the everyday stuff of life this week. And we pray it now in the name of Jesus and everyone said, amen.